Well, good morning and welcome to service. It is great to be with you. My name is Daniel Hillian. I'm the youth pastor here. We were going to get out early today, but Steve just had to preach an entire other sermon. So I'm sorry, move your reservations back 30 minutes. But it is good to be with you here today. And we're continuing in our series called Water for the Way. And this is kind of a cool thing that, that we get to be a part of here at Greenbrier Nazarene. This is a sermon series that was put out by our publishing house and by the general superintendents to the Church of the Nazarene, both here in the United States, Canada, and around the world. So all of our churches can come together and kind of dive into this series to kind of get on the same page as we walk through this season of Lent. Okay, so it's kind of a cool thing. And so we've got 40 days to reflect on the seasons of life. And I was reminded in early service, before it started, we were sitting back there in the sound booth, uh, I got a couple of texts on Wednesday, on Friday, Saturday, talking about that a year ago, me and about 40 other students and leaders uh, packed up the church vans and went skiing in Colorado. And so I had a couple of texts like, hey, hey, Pastor Dan, what were we doing a year ago? And I was like, I don't know what I had for breakfast. Like, I don't know what we were doing. And they were like, it's a ski trip. And that was such an amazing time because we all got together and it was, it was so cool to watch God work through just a simple group of students getting together, going to hang out and go skiing. Because we started off as just a group of junior high boys and a group of high school boys and junior high girls and high school girls and leaders. And by the end of that, it was one massive group all hanging out together. And it was such a fun experience. It started off horrible because uh, Campbell, my daughter, was home. She was sick. She was running this crazy high fever. And then I'm trying to wrangle all these wild chickens and get them to go skiing. And I'm worried about her. And we get there and the hotel's messed up. And it was just chaos. But from that, we ended up having a great trip. And that kind of started us on this season that we have been living in student ministry for about a year now. We've been riding this wave of what it means to do life together. And that's been such a fun experience. But at the same time that we've experienced that joy in our student ministry, our church has really felt a lot of heartache here the last you know, several months, about you know, six months, if you will. We've had a tough season. We've lost a lot of really, really, really awesome people. And what's cool is the She Conference is dedicated to Miss Anita Ashlock, you know, and so that's, it's so cool of that the ladies are continuing that for Miss Anita. But in every season of life, you know, there's the highs and lows, okay? And we can kind of reflect on those seasons of joy, both in the past, and we can look forward to those things to come. And if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you know that following Christ is not an easy road. He never said it would be, because for every high, there is a low. And for every just moment you want to celebrate, there's something that is just, you know, you have to mourn and you're upset about. I mean, that's just the seasons we go through in life. And as we go through this journey, it causes us to be spiritually weary and spiritually thirsty. But the beauty of the God that we serve is that we never have to do it alone. And even in rooms like this where we have this body of believers that come together to support one another, there are times where you can feel like the loneliest person in the room, okay? And that's the beauty of the God we serve is that He's always there with us. 
So in this series, our goal is that you would experience the renewing of your soul. Sorry, my voice just kind of jumped four octaves there. But uh, our goal is that you would experience the renewing of your soul that only Jesus can provide as we walk together as a body of believers towards Easter Sunday. And so I want to thank my friend Julie for reading that passage of Scripture for us um, as we go through the different parts of this series my part is John chapter 9. There's 43 verses in there. And so I was like, Julie, we're not going to read all 43 of those verses. And so we gave her uh, kind of a Cliff Notes version. And just to kind of give us a little refresher, I've got a little video here I want to show you of John chapter 9. So let's watch. Stories of the Bible. Jesus heals a man born blind. This is Jesus. hey who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love. He did many miracles and healed people of their sickness. Oh, hey, everyone. One day, Jesus was walking with his disciples and he saw a man who was born blind. Hey, Jesus. His disciples wondered whose fault it was that this man was blind. Jesus told them it was not because anyone sinned, but rather it was because the power of God could be shown through this man's life. Then Jesus spit on the ground and made mud. He spread the mud over the blind man's eyes and told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and did as Jesus said, and he could see. Wow! The man's neighbors and others who knew him as a blind man wondered if this was the same man. Is that the same guy? No way. They said, no, he just looks like him. Right. No, damn it. But the blind man kept saying, yes, it's me. So the people asked, who healed you? What happened? And the man told them all that Jesus had done for him. Oh, that's what happened. The people asked, where is Jesus now? But the man didn't know. So the people took the man to the Pharisees because it was the Sabbath, the day of rest, and they thought Jesus shouldn't have made mud and healed the man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man so many questions. Eh, what's going on? And he answered them, I was blind, but now I can see. The Pharisees kept asking more questions. They even brought the man's parents in to ask them questions, but they wouldn't answer because they were afraid of the Pharisees. Finally, the man had enough and yelled, Look, I told you once, why do you want to hear it again? If this man were not from God, he couldn't have made me see. The Pharisees were so mad at the man for saying this that they threw him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard what happened, and he found the man and asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Wow! Yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus.
kids attend on a Sunday morning and they get to go be part of our GN Kids Ministry with all of our volunteers, they get to watch videos just like this one each and every week. And it's geared specifically for them. The lessons, the discussion questions, the games, all of it tie in to the Bible story. And so um, we had kind of a long passage today and I'm like, well, what's a way to kind of get us, I don't know, I'm a youth pastor, I like to show funny videos and this was great. And even the, uh, the high school students in uh, Sunday school this morning were like, they love the little characters' voices and how they walk and their head moves. And I said, well, you know, I like to have fun. And so anyways, as we continue here, this you might have heard this story before. I can remember being a little guy growing up in church and uh, we didn't have projectors or screens back in the day. We had a felt board, if you will, and there were little characters you would stick to it and you would peel them off. Some of you are shaking your head. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But that's how we were taught this Bible story. And it's just awesome because on the, on the surface, it's this amazing miracle that this man was blind from birth and Jesus shows up and he does this thing and the man receives sight. And for me growing up, that's kind of where the story ended. But there's a little more at play here, and we're going to dive into that today. So let's jump in kind of the, the intro of John chapter 9 as we've, as Miss Julie read it and we saw from the little video here. But a blind man received sight, and he was blind from birth, and because of that, he was an outcast. He was a beggar. He did not fit into the social norms like everyone else did. Therefore, he got a seat outside of the city, okay? He didn't fit in. You've got to go. And because of his disability, that's what caused him to be cast out. If you were different, you were limited of what you could and could not do in society, okay? There were certain things you were allowed to do, certain things you were not allowed to do. And even more so for people that had disabilities, okay? And it was assumed that this disability was a result of sin. And so here we have the disciples that see this. He's outside the city because the sin that was in his life, or as it was assumed to be, caused him to be unclean. And other believers didn't want to rub shoulders with this guy because his uncleanness might like jump onto them, okay? Or that was the assumption, you know, that was the belief that was taught for generations, okay? So other believers, they were like, if they saw him on the street, they would kind of do that wide sweep around and get back on their path, you know? They didn't want anything to do with this man, okay? And so the disciples, they're, they're walking with Jesus, and they come up to this man, and they're just going off of what they know. And if there's a little side note here, a little side sermon, so many times in the church we get frustrated with believers because they're not doing what we think they should do. Their behavior doesn't match the identity they're trying to, to be. They're, what they're, their actions don't line up with being a Christian. And there's times that, you know, as a staff, you know, um, just me personally, I get frustrated because I'm like, why do those people not live out what they say they believe? And part of it could be they don't know. Okay, And I think that's what's happening here. The disciples have grown up under this Jewish tradition, and they've been taught this thing for so long. They see this blind man, and so they ask the question, who sinned, Jesus? Clearly this is a result of sin, so whose sin was it? Was it this man's, or was it his parents? That's being punished on him. Okay, And so as we dive into this, we... 
like I said, a lot of times I like to blame the disciples because if you think back a few chapters, uh, this is John chapter 9. John chapter 5, Jesus heals a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. You may have heard that story before. And just in the next chapter, the beginning of chapter 6 there, Jesus feeds the 5,000. I mean, what an amazing miracle. And the disciples have watched this. They watched this lame man begin to walk. They watched all these hungry people be fed. And then they go across the body of water, a storm comes, they're terrified for their life, and Jesus calms the water. Here's three instances where Jesus has moved in powerful ways. And then the disciples come up to this blind man and ask a seemingly innocent question. But for me, I'm like, why do you guys not get it? Like, look at what Jesus can do. And they still don't get it. And I told the early service that a lot of times as I read in Scripture, I feel like as the disciples ask these, and I'm sure, you know, he's trying to be graceful to them, but I'm sure for him, it's like, why do y'all keep asking ridiculous questions? And so they go, who sinned, this man or his parents? And then in verse 3, he, Jesus gives this countercultural response because they're expecting the answer to be one of the two things they've asked. And Jesus goes, it was neither. And I could just see them having that starry, glassy-eyed look, the same look that I tell Coop and Soup when it's like, hey, go pick up your toys. And they're like, what toys? There's nothing. What are you talking about? And they're like looking at the ceiling because the floor's littered with all of their things. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm sure the disciples were like, wait, well, someone had to sin. And he goes, neither. Okay, Generations had been taught that for those that are not normal, that don't fit in, that is a result of sin. And Jesus says, no, 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 it was neither. It was so that the power of God, so that the work of God could be seen in him. And so as I read this, I always try to ask myself questions. I feel like as I get a little older, I get a little more spiritually mature. Again, I am a youth pastor, but I tried to ask questions as I read, as I tried to dig into God's Word. And so the work, this power, I like to ask, well, what is Jesus referring to? Okay, so what is, you know, big picture, what is Jesus talking about? Well, a man is about to receive sight and does so. But what else is going on in the story? And I believe that is the Jesus is kind of exposing the willful blindness of these religious leaders, okay? Because religion during this time, it was only for certain people. It was a social club. It was a status. And for the for the Pharisees, they had had this thing set up for generations. Number one, it allowed them to keep kind of a tight rein on society, okay? They can keep track of people, and only certain people can come in, and others have to go away. There was inclusion, there was exclusion, okay? And the Pharisees controlled all of this. Also, on top of all that, they were being, you know, making tremendous wealth because of this. Because if you were excluded and you wanted to be included, well, you could just pay and come on in, okay? So there's a lot going on here that Jesus is trying to shine a light on to say, that's not what this is about. Because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said that his work is welcoming everyone, the oppressed, the widowed, the orphan. The kingdom of God is for all. That is what he's talking about there in Luke chapter 4, okay? So their question comes from a cultural teaching. Again, this is something they've been taught their entire lives. They're accustomed to this. 
But it's all centered on this, the, the big picture idea is who broke the rules, okay? There's a system of rules in place, and if you break those rules, there's a consequence. Emily and I are teaching our children this, okay? Cooper, if you hit your sister in the face with a lightsaber, and that happened, um, there's a consequence for that. You no longer have lightsabers, okay? And so there, there has to be a consequence when the rules were broken, and that's what the Pharisees had set up. That was what they were teaching, okay? And so the religious leaders, they look at Jesus. They've got this system in place. Hey, it's worked for generations. We've got this thing set up. We don't need any help, Jesus. And he comes in, and he is like the top ten, number one, all-time rule breaker, okay? And so the witnesses here that they see this man and he's running around and he can see and they're like, blind people don't just get sight. So clearly that's someone that looks like the guy. And other people are like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's him. And I loved in the video where he just kind of pops out from around the corner and he's like, hey, it's me, you know. And I don't, I don't know if that's what actually happened during this time. But regardless witnesses see what happened and they're excited because guess what when Jesus does things in people's life it gets people excited I love I love I love I love on a on a Sunday a Wednesday whenever Tuesday when we get to baptize someone right here behind me and the person they're sitting there and we dip them in the water and we come them back up and the sanctuary just explodes and it and it's just cheers and we get to celebrate because there's another name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, that's what that is about. You know, I once, you know, it's, a, it's an outward sign of an inward change. And we celebrate that. That's something to be celebrated. That's what was happening here. These witnesses, they knew this blind man. They had kind of walked around him. They didn't want his uncleanness to jump out on them. So they knew this man, and now he can see. So they take him before the, the Pharisees, and they're going, look. Tommy, he can see. Like, how amazing is that? They knew him by name, and he's right there. He's like, hey, I can see. And what's sad is, is that the Pharisees completely overlook the miracle, okay? Because the rules were broken, okay? When it talks about Jesus making the mud, okay? If you dive into the, the original text, the, the Hebrew, the Greek, the word that is used here is a labor-related word. Okay, so Jesus has to do some type of work, okay? And he does this on the Sabbath, which according to Jewish law was forbidden. You don't work on the Sabbath. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always going to be. You don't do that. And here Jesus comes in on the scene. He does this amazing thing, but he broke the rules to do it. The Pharisees overlook the miracle, and they're just focused on you broke the rules, okay? And keep in mind, Jesus never acts randomly. It's not like he wakes up on a Tuesday and was like, let's go heal some people. Like, that's not how Jesus worked. Jesus always, always, always acted with purpose and intent. And Jesus brings to light the Pharisees' value on legalism. Okay, they were more worried about the rules than they were people's humanity. I mean, a man received sight for the very first time. Okay, that is an amazing thing. But they're more concerned with this gotcha moment that they want to place on Jesus. Jesus giving sight also emphasizes, you know, as, as I read this, it kind of brings to light 
you know, we talk about the, the willful blindness of these Pharisees. What, where is our willful blindness? Where is the sin in our lives, the oppression, the legalism, the lack of love? What are we doing that's causing consequences for other people, just like the Pharisees have done? There was nothing wrong with this man. He wasn't a murderer or anything like that. He just couldn't see. But because of that, he's cast out. You know, that's kind of a dramatic thing. But in our own lives, when it comes to the body of believers, what do we do? What limits do we put on people that say, no, you can't come here. You can't be part of what we're doing, you know, and that's just me being a little transparent this morning. So what's the point here today? Jesus' actions are always to point people to the Father. If you dive into the book of John where this text is taken from, John's purpose is always to prove that Jesus is the Messiah from the beginning to the end. If you dive into it, it's a great read, and that's what kind of makes this gospel stand out from the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John just has a little bit different take, and it's this, this idea to point people to the Father. He always, Jesus, always acts with purpose, and it's to teach the people around him. It's to teach the disciples, those that have gathered, but it's also to teach us today what a holistic life looks like. And Jesus set the perfect example that we are called to replicate on a daily basis, okay? So from chapter 9 here, I've kind of got three takeaways that have kind of, you know, I guess spoke to me this week as I've kind of dug into this. And so if you're a note taker today, this is where you gain a little extra status in heaven because there's a, a very special place for those that take notes in church on Sundays. And say, so the first takeaway I have from this passage in John chapter 9, this story shines a light on the fact that the global church has been and still does not do a good job of welcoming others. Okay, um, and that's <laughs> rip the band-aid off quick. You know, let's be transparent today. Let's be honest with ourselves because some people don't fit in or look the way we do or talk the way we do or act the way they, we do. The church has done a really bad job historically of saying you can't be part of this. You worship over there. You go here. Okay, but as we dive into the kingdom of God, Kingdom of God is inclusive to all humanity, okay? The disabled, the oppressed, the marginalized. We as the people of God must be inclusive, okay? So question I have for us today, including myself, would be in what ways do we as Christians, do we need to repent of maybe some injustice towards those we have excluded from church, okay? And there's a lot of times that, you know, um, You'll see someone in the grocery store and you're like, whoo, they need Jesus in their life, you know. But instead of saying that, what if we went over and say, well, maybe not go up to them and say, you need Jesus in your life, but what if we just invited them to church? You know, that's, we, we well, I don't know if we like to say this in staff meeting. I like to believe this. You get them here and we'll tell them about Jesus. Let, let me, Steve and Hunter and our staff and Katie, mainly Katie and Amanda, let us be the weird Jesus people. You just get them here and we'll tell them about Jesus, okay? So how many times have we, have we thought that? You know, I'm guilty of it, uh, absolutely, of thinking, boy, boy, if they would just get in church. Well, have you invited them to church? Did you give them a ride? Were, were they able to get here? How can we demonstrate true repentance? repentance 
by changing our ways for fighting for justice, fighting for inclusion of all people, okay? If nothing else today, we're reminded once again that loving God and loving others are the two most important callings of being a Christian, okay? All people, all humanity, okay? The second takeaway I have from this passage is that those born into situations or with conditions, you know, our society would classify as not normal. They're not a glitch in God's creation, okay? The outcast, the overlooked, the odd, we're all created by God. Every time I get the opportunity to stand before you, you know, our family here on Sunday mornings, on a Wednesday night, if I get to speak at the schools, I always try to tell people, you were created on purpose for a purpose. That purpose to bring glory and honor to God. You're wired the way you are. You like certain things. You act a certain way because God wired you that way, and it's to bring glory and honor to Him. Some of you today are part of my family because our team knocked off the number one team, and we can celebrate that today. Some of your teams lost. And we're praying for you, that you would come to know Christ and God's team and the Arkansas Razorbacks, okay? But in a much more real sense, everyone was created on purpose for a purpose. And if you look um, at just some statistic today of the number of people dealing with anxiety, and it's a real thing. I know a lot of times we think, oh, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's a very, very big deal, and it's a big issue, and we need to not sweep it under the rug. But those dealing with anxiety, depression, suicide, all these things are just through the roof. And I think it's because people don't realize that God created them on purpose for a purpose. They've been taught and told by society, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to act a certain way. And Jesus is saying, no, we need to include all of those people, okay? Everyone was created on purpose for a purpose. And so are we doing that? Are we including those people? Or are we using those things as a crutch? I tell students all the time, I say, I know in a room this size, some of you could come up here and give this message way better than I could, okay? Others of you in the room, if I called your name, you would just melt into a puddle right now because that's, that's not how you're wired. That's not, that's not your thing, okay? But you were created on purpose for a purpose. So don't use maybe... Uh, what you see as an inability or as a crutch, use what you have to bring glory and honor to God and whatever that may be, okay? If the kingdom of God is inclusive, then it isn't complete without everyone. I have a good friend of mine that I'll be whining or complaining about something, and he'll go, Daniel, don't put God in a box and don't put God's people in a box, okay? Don't put limits there. God is bigger than the situations we're dealing with, okay? So our third takeaway this morning is that as Christians, are we more concerned with following the rules than we are about being the hands and feet of Jesus to all people in all situations, okay? And so as we think about that, and, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. You know, I, I always try to be transparent. As much as I'm speaking to you today, I'm, I'm looking inward as well. And there's times where I'm like, nah, we can't do that. That's the church. Nope, the church can't be involved with that. Well, here just, you know, an hour ago, we had a church service at a motorcycle race in Harrison, Arkansas. Those people weren't in church. They're not here, but they're part of our church. Keith Rooney's up there doing a church service for, you know, probably 50, 60, maybe even 100 people, you know. 
That's what I'm talking about. What would an alternative service look like for those that cannot attend church on a Sunday? What would that look like for you to maybe have a Bible study uh, during lunch or in the break room or in the hallways or at the cafeteria table, wherever you are? Church can happen on days other than Sunday and Wednesday. And in our student ministry, we have some students that attend only on Sundays, and then we have some students that only attend on Sundays and always just, I don't know, I don't know how not to pick on people. And I tell them, you know, hey, we also have another service if you want to come. Like, you don't have to just pick one. You can come both times. I mean, that would be crazy to do church twice in one week. But anybody remember the days when we did church three times in one week? Oh, man, talk about holy rollers. That was a whole nother world back then. But how can you be creative in witnessing to those in need? Okay, I love the, it's, I love the way God works things out. The Harbor Homes here today, they found a need and they're meeting a need. That's what the church is about. And thank you for what you guys do, okay? How can we as the body make a greater impact for Jesus? And so this morning, is, as I like to say, we're going to land the plane, which means we're about done. We're getting close, but hold on. We still got a little more to go. Good 30 minutes. We are deep into this season of Lent. I mean, Easter is just right around the corner. And this is a season of reflection and repentance, okay? It is safe to say, and I'll raise my hand, that maybe we have some repenting we need to do. Some of us to repent of, you know, those assumptions. Boy, they need Jesus in their life, you know, or whatever it may be. But the assumption that sin in other people's lives, but we maybe have never said it out loud, but we've thought it. You know, Jesus knows those thoughts. God knows what's going on there. As the disciples wanted to know, you know, whose sin made this man blind? Where have we asked those same type of questions? You know, what, what happened that this person is in this situation? You know, what? What's going on there? Some of us need to repent of our behaviors of excluding other people, okay? You know, we say, hey, there's a great church down the road for crazy people. Freddie Mark, go see him. You'll love it down there. Now, if you can be cool and calm, hey, you can come on down here to the Greenbrier Nazarene. We got a seat for you, you know? I mean, but that's kind of funny to joke about, but have we done that? I, yeah, we have, you know? Historically, the church has got lots of examples in that. Instead of including where have we excluded, you know, who have we excluded? Others of us, maybe it's a time to repent on our fixation of the rules being broken to the extent that we forget to look at the people we are breaking in the process. Look at these Pharisees. They said, hey, because you're blind, you don't fit in. You've got to go. How many times have we done that in the church to someone that just wants to be part of a family, that just wants to be a part of what God's doing, and we say, you don't look like us, you don't talk like, you don't act the right way, you have to go somewhere else, you know, and that's true today. Christianity isn't about following the rules. Now, does Jesus give us some guidelines to kind of get, help keep us on track? Absolutely. He says, hey, I'm not telling you how to live your life, but I'm telling you, this path is a bit easier. Now, you can choose. You can choose to go off the rails, and that's fine. That's a horrible way to live. This way is a little better, okay? But is it all about the rules? No, absolutely not. We must remember that repentance requires actionable change. And what I mean by that is I love coming home from a youth trip church camp, winter retreat, extravaganza, all these events because the students 
are fired up for Jesus. And it's so much fun to be a part of. And my job as a youth pastor is just to keep fueling that fire for as long as possible to get us to that next thing where they just get pumped up again, okay? It's a roller coaster. It's so much fun. You should come be a part of it. It's great. But on the way home from some of those trips, the students are so fired up for God, they're going to go in the hallways and tell people about Jesus. They're telling their neighbors about Jesus. They're going to just drive down 65 with the windows down, blasting Jesus music. I mean, they're pumped up. Charge hell with a water pistol fired up. I mean, they're ready to go. And so I'll always say, well, how are you going to keep this going? Pastor Dan, I'm going to read my Bible every day for nine hours a day. Man, I'm going to dive into the Word. And I'm like, man, that is great. That is awesome. But is that actionable change? Your, your schedule is full from the time, especially for this audience, your day's full from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. You have a busy day. There's things going on. You've got kids and grandkids and spouses and things and this and that and she conference and this over here and 400 church services. You've got a lot going on is my point. So I always ask the students, what are you going to sacrifice to add in diving more into God's word? What are you going to give up to add in spending more time in prayer? And again, they get that disciple glassy-eyed look and they're going, I'm not going to give up anything. I'm like, well, something has to take a back seat so that Jesus can take a front seat. And they're like, oh, so we're going to have to work at this thing? I'm like, yeah, it's not just an emotion. You have to keep that relationship going, okay? You've got to spend more time in God's Word. So it's one of those things, I don't just want them to tell me what they're going to do. I want them to live that out. So what are some um, actionable change things that you need to do in your own life? Repentance means we know we have done wrong and we seek to do better. We must commit to being a people who confront injustice and oppression. A group of people who seek to include people who seek to see the kingdom of God brought to earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for all your many blessings. And I pray that you would just... Be with us as we go from this place, God. May we be your hands and feet in every situation to all people, God, because you created each and every one of us on purpose for a purpose, God. So I pray that we would use those gifts and those talents, whatever they may be. Maybe it's being a leader from the front. Maybe it's leading um, from just a one-on-one conversation, God. But I pray that the hearts of everyone here today would just be to be your hands and feet in every situation, God. I pray that you would watch over us as we go from this place, bring us back next week, ready to worship and to glorify you, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you would stand, we're going to read our benediction together and it'll be on the screen. So let's read together. Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedication to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the ways of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen.